Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Today we're going to continue in our message on the book of Daniel. We, we titled the, this whole series, the book of Daniel, because your pastor is so creative. And we've been kind of going through this book. Today we're going to be spending some time, if you want to get your Bibles ready, in the book of Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. And... Um, and, uh, and, and I'm really excited about what God is going to show us here today. If you're new here today, like I said, we've been in this book of Daniel. And uh, uh, in the event that you want to catch up, you can go check out the other messages online. I highly encourage you to do that. Uh, if you need a CD you know, for a DVD player, we can definitely get you that as well. But uh, Daniel lived in a time where Jerusalem, Jerusalem was overtaken, uh, they were overtaken by Babylons. They were, they were taken in uh, Babylonian captivity. And uh, Daniel was one of a few good men, almost like the United States Marine Corps, one of a few good men that were really, really good looking. They had great aptitude for learning. Um, you know, they were, just, they were just unique and they were special and they were trained to serve uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king of the, of the day. And so they served in his courts. They were trained for a period of three years. And so the whole premise up to this point has is, is been answering the question, how do you live for God? How, how, how are you faithful to God in a secular culture and, or in a culture or a society that doesn't want to have anything to do with God? The reason why I love Daniel so much is because he was thrust into this culture, this Babylonian culture, because they were overran by, by, uh, by modern-day Iraq, um, which, is, which is Babylon. They were overtaken by them, and they were a godless society. Um, they, in fact, they, they weren't a godless society. They just worshipped all the wrong little g-gods that, that, that you could worship. And so, and so how do you live for the one true living God whenever every, everybody else is against you? And that's exactly what's happening in our world here today. It's becoming harder and harder to live for God because of ridicule. In fact, living for God today, as we've seen in our, in our recent history... Um, you know, people will sue you, you know, for standing up for your belief system, right? And, and so when your belief system clashes with the culture that you live in and, um, and you, know, they, they, you know, they slap lawsuits on you and there's this, this underlying fear of, of, you know, being against, you know, the direction, swimming against the current that everybody else is going, how do you handle yourself in that in that arena. And so anyway, the book of Daniel, we've, we've covered three messages so far. I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And we're going to continue that here today. But they were thrust into a pagan society where literally Daniel and, and, and all these, you know, uh, uh, you know, people that worship the one true living God, they were forced to worship pagan gods. And they were told that they could not worship their God. And so Number one, the first message, we talked about how the enemy wants to change your identity. The first thing that, that, uh, that Daniel was done, was done for him is he was given a brand new name. And his name meant exactly the opposite of what his original name meant. And so number two, we talked about culture's greatest test, and that is who will you worship? I want to just hit this real quick. You were created to worship and you are worshiping something. You just might not be worshiping God. You might be worshiping yourself. You might be worshiping your pickup or the, the brand new house that, that, that you were able to build. You might be worshiping, you could be worshiping, you know, a, a, a woman in your life. Or you could be worshiping a man in your life. Or you could be worshiping the idea of something that you, that you desire. But I'm telling you this, that you were created to worship you're worshiping something, and if you're worshiping anything outside of the one true living God that, that desires and requires your worship, then you're worshiping the wrong thing. 
right? All right, so number three, um, we talked about uh, culture's greatest sin, which is pride. And all of us have the ability to deal with pride. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to, uh, I titled the message simply The Cause. What is the cause behind why, we, why we've done all these previous three things? Like, what is the cause? We're going we're gonna to look at that. Sometimes you can do some of these things. You can worship the wrong things even unlo- unknowingly. You know, you can be prideful even unknowingly. So what is the cause behind that? Let's take a look at Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to pray, Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for this word. I pray, Lord, that, uh, that it would hit the mark, and I pray that we would have open ears to understand. And, um, and Lord, let it change our heart. Let it change, it, uh, change us from the inside out. I pray, Lord, that, uh, that I would just get out of the way, and you can just do what needs to be done here today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. We've been in a lot of scripture in this book, and we're going to continue that today. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet. So this is a new king. We understand that Daniel served five kings in his lifetime. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. I want you to know this, that in the Bible, the often when it talks about drinking or becoming drunk, I want you to know that it is very symbolic of somebody that is living a carefree life or a life that is just for me. It's very selfish, it's very self-driven. And so whenever the Bible talks about drinking or being drunk, you need to know that that is the underlying uh, concept of what's being spoken of. I can do whatever it is that I want to do, all right? So it goes on to say, while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, serving himself, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine from these these holy goblets, they praised the gods, the little g-gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, of wood, and stone. So I want you to know this, that they took something that was holy and they used it for something unholy. They, they took these things that were in the temple of the one true living God and they were making a mockery of the one true living God by worshiping the gods of gold and bronze and wood and, and all of these things. They were drinking their wine out of it. The Bible says, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote, Verse 6, his face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees began to have fellowship one with another. They were knocking together. It goes on to say in verse 7, the king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, and the diviners. Now, I think this is interesting because King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, by the time his life was finished... You know what I'm saying? Like he 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 got rid of a lot of these these uh, these these uh, 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 these people, these astrologers, these these divin the people of divinations and enchanters. But yet, how quickly do they come back? You know, to a to a familiar people. And so, the Bible says that. Then he said to the wise men of Babylon, "Whoever reads these writings and tells me." What it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck. And he will be made third highest ruler in the kingdom. And so they, they couldn't figure out these astrologers, these, these, uh, you know, these, these people, they couldn't figure out the meaning. And why couldn't they not figure out the meaning of what was written on the wall? Because only God can reveal mysteries about himself. I'm telling you, it's so interesting. People that, that, that they, they try to figure out the meaning of life outside of God. It is absolutely impossible. 
You know, you can, you can find yourself thinking that you understand the meaning of life only to, to, to achieve that, um, you know, that level of success or whatnot. And then you're still in lack. You're still wanting something like your life doesn't measure up. You know what I'm saying? Like you could go to the highest ring, ring, uh, rung of the corporate ladder and you're thinking, you know what, this is my destiny, this is my purpose, and you finally get there and then you realize the same emptiness is there as every other rung on the ladder. And this is what happens when we try to figure out life outside of God. It will never happen. Only God reveals mysteries about himself. Verse 13 Go down to verse 13, it says this. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles that my father the king brought out from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods, he uses a little g-god in this, is in you. Why has he heard? Because everybody had been speaking about how Daniel had done the same thing for King Nebuchadnezzar, Right? How, how, how he was able to endure, interpret, you know, dreams and visions for King Nebuchadnezzar. And so, of course, that continued to pass on. And it says that you have insight and intelligent and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and the enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they couldn't explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple, um, which, which was representative of, of great wealth. Um, not everybody could wear purple. You will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And so Daniel, here he is once again before the king. And he's honestly like his response is, 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 you know, sir, I don't need your money, but I can interpret your dream. I can interpret your vision. I can interpret. I can explain what's going on. But he, but he takes a moment and he says, but before I do, I want you to know that you are going down the same road that, that your father had gone down, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he didn't listen. He didn't, he didn't heed the warning. And, 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 and so, so your dad tried this. He wouldn't listen. And because he would not listen, he literally lost his mind for a period of seven years. He went insane. And he says, listen, I'm, so he's saying, I'm going to share with you what this is, but there's a great responsibility that comes with that. He's basically saying, you're doing the same, not following God. When you don't follow God, you're setting yourself against heaven. I'm just going to make this just simple plug right there. When you don't follow God, you're setting yourself against, against heaven. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24, it says, instead... You have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. So, once again, if you find yourself continuing to do that which you know is wrong, you set yourself against God. And I'm just saying this, that there's not one person in this room that wants to be in that place. There's not one person that wants to be set against God. It goes on to say what he did. You had the goblets from his temple, from God's temple, brought to you. And you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, you drank wine from them. So he's saying, once again, you took what was holy and you made it unholy. You took what was holy in your life and you made it unholy. And that's exactly what it is that we do when we worship anything outside of God. You worship yourself, you worship your body, right? You worship your wife, you worship your husband. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Yes, there is. There is one that needs to be worshipped, and he is God, right? You can love your wife, and, but I'm telling you what, if you're putting your wife or your husband above God, you are out of order. You're out of order. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we talked about just, uh, I think it was last week, you know, there are those people in town that they've got the finest lawn. Like in the, everybody in the whole town is talking about how incredible their lawn is. Boy, it's the greenest grass and it's always just got, its edges got edges, right? Everything's so in its place. And so imagine the effort that people put into taking care of grass, 
that has probably been something that is that has become a, a little bit of, of you know pride. And, and the question is this: There's nothing wrong with having great grass, but is God given as much or more attention than your grass is being given? So it's super simple to slip into giving other things more attention. That brand new truck that, you know, before you get the first scratch, you're parking it on the back 40 of Walmart. You know what I mean? You're walking all the way, all the way across the parking lot because you don't want anybody to dent it or ding it and won't let anybody in it because, you know, they might get it dirty. And, and you know, you, you know what I'm saying? And so things can become things that that we worship more than we worship God. It says, you praise the gods of uh, silver and gold and of bronze and iron and wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds his hand or holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he has sent the hand that wrote this inscription. So I want you to know this, that, that there is a God that holds your, the entirety of your life in his hand. Are we treating him as such? Are we treating him with the honor, with the respect, with the worship that, 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 that he deserves? And so God, whenever we're out of place and out of line, what does he do? Thank the Lord, he typically gives us warnings. And so, so Daniel is saying, listen, this inscription that was written on the wall is nothing more than a warning. And I'm just telling you this, that it's interesting that today we use the, the terminology, you know, the handwritings on the wall, the writings on the wall, right? What does that mean? That means the imminent doom is coming. If you don't turn from whatever it is that you're, that you're doing, you know, bad, situ bad consequences are coming your way. This is the last chance. Imminent doom is coming. So, so what were the words that were, that were written? There were four words, and these words are so humorous, and they absolutely mean nothing. They meant something, but they didn't mean anything during the day. Daniel was able to interpret these, these words. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 25 says this. This is the inscription that was written on the wall. Many, many tekel Parson. These were the words that were, that were written. Many, many, tekel, parson. So, many means this, that God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought them to an end. So, I want you to know this, that God has numbered your days. And it's interesting, you know, whenever we lose somebody... Um, you know, we, we, we can sometimes wrestle with it and we, we question it. I was just talking to a, to a young man just today right before, right before the service. And it's interesting how we associate when somebody dies with, with, with sin in their life. And that's not always necessarily the case. You know, there's been two times where I've really struggled with, with somebody passing. One of them was was Don Christensen. This guy, this guy was our worship leader um, at the church that we had come from. To my understanding, he had never, you know what I mean? He had never, not that, you know, this just kills you, but he had never put his lips on a cigarette, never smoked anything, never, never had a drop of alcohol. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. But never tried anything. Like he always just lived for the Lord. You know what I'm saying? From from the whole time that I that I knew him, he was the epit. The, he like he was he was in perfect health. He we had these stairs that went up to the you know normal people walk up the stairs. At 50 years old, man, he's running up the stairs. We played softball, a lot of softball together. Don Christensen is 48, 49, 50 years old. You know what I mean? He's jumping catching balls and rolling and I'm like I couldn't even imagine doing that right now and so this guy is just just in great health he's thin you know just takes care of himself great great father great great husband you know a business owner in the community donated so much time and just worship and when he got diagnosed with cancer I knew that I knew that I knew that this was going to be the time where we saw a miracle like we had not seen in a long time God was going to raise him up and God never raised him up 
The other one that I struggle with is, is Sarah, the same thing, man. I was talking, you know, just with the family recently, and I shared with the family, you know, even though Sarah lived 39 years, she lived 72 years of life because she never did anything halfway, right? She was always present. She was always invested. She was always, but I just knew, man, God's going to, there were some crazy cool things that I was able to see with, with, with people going to pray for, pray for Sarah. And I just knew that I knew that I knew, man, God's going God's gonna to raise her up. And here we are, we're fixing to celebrate her life this Tuesday. And I'm just saying this, that our days are numbered. And just because somebody ends up passing, I was just talking to another guy this morning, just because somebody ends up passing and it seems way before their time, it doesn't mean that there was sin and there was a consequence of doing something wrong. Come on, our days are numbered. And how many of you know that God can use even death, come on, to glorify his name, right? And so we have to, we have to wrestle with all of the emotions and all the feelings, but know that God has your days numbered. God didn't, he wasn't caught off guard and, and it wasn't because people didn't have enough faith it wasn't because they didn't say, you know, the right things in their prayer and their exercise of faith that she ended up passing. Her day was numbered, and we have to trust in the sovereignty of God. We have to trust that God knows. And I'm telling you, good things always come out of, the, out of, out of every situation as we trust. That's scripture, right? All right. So I want you to know this, that live... Because you're alive today, you need to live like your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. And you don't know. You don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Now, sometimes I feel because I talk about these things so often, it makes me feel like people think that I'm trying to mess with your emotions to get you to do something that is somehow going to benefit the church. That is not my my plan, my plan is for you to live your life with as little to no regrets as possible so that when you stand before the Lord and I stand before the Lord, come on, we can do so and enter into that place powerfully just like Sarah entered into. I have never seen strength like I've seen from Sarah. In, in, in all my time of, of walking with somebody as they transition from this to that, I've never seen the strength that I've seen in her. I'm not saying that she didn't have weak moments and difficult times, but I'm telling you firsthand, like my faith was encouraged because of her strength and her faith, right? So live today like it may be your last day. Not for me, not because the church needs anything from you, but God deserves everything that you have to, you know, to give, and he deserves your whole heart and your whole life. Don't waste a day on something, you know what I mean, that, that just doesn't matter. So number one is this, anything that we have a lot of, we tend to squander, and, and when we have a limited supply of something, we use it wisely. Do you guys remember a couple years ago when toilet paper was, was, was limited, right? I don't know if you had conversations like this, but I've got boys that were, that were in my home, and I was like, use it wisely. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't know what this is going to be like where you might have, you know, just wrapped it all the way around your hand and everything several times, like just pull off a couple of squares and use it, use it wisely. But anything that we have a lot of, what do we do? We squander it. It's like, that's no big deal. I've got plenty. You know what I'm saying? It's no, it's no big deal. I don't know about you guys, but we grew up in the, in the early years of my life and, 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 and life changed and we were you know, we were probably middle class, you know, towards the, the end of, of my, my growing up years. But, but in my early years, I'm telling you what, we were poor, man. We were trailer park kids poor. 
And that's exactly where we lived. We lived in a trailer park. And I remember when my, when my, uh, when my, my mom met my stepdad and, and they ended up getting married. And, and, um, and, and I remember just how weird it was. It was just so strange to me that he was always yelling at us about the lights being turned on, left on. Like we would leave a room and the light would be left on. And he was always on our case. Turn off them dang lights. Turn off them. And, and even to this day, like, like if somebody's just hanging out in the refrigerator, just wondering what they're going to like, like because we got taught, man, get in that refrigerator and get out of that refrigerator. You know what? You're losing all the cold. And you know how much it costs to cool that thing back down? Why? Because we didn't have a lot of money. And the lights, and so even today, like, like I'm just like, if somebody's just hanging in the refrigerator, I'm like, I'm glad you didn't meet my dad. You know what I'm saying? He would have put the stop to that. Now, so... You know, I, I, I found this out about myself that even today, even though we've got these LED lights that are a fraction to run uh, what they used to be, it's like when I'm leaving the house, I, if it's easy enough, man, I'll just, shut, I'll, shut the lights, I'll just shut the lights off. And it's not like we're just scraping by like we were when I was, when I was being raised, but it was ingrained in me. Why? Because we were so stinking poor and we had to, we had to cover we had, to, we had to make everything last because it was limited. And that's the way that we do it. You know, we, 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 we have to begin to treat this life like we don't know if tomorrow's going to be there. And if tomorrow's not there, am I going to, not that I'm just so holding on to life, but if tomorrow's not there, I was talking to the same young man today. He was like, man, how do you really know if you just did everything that you were supposed to do while you were alive and well on this earth? Like there's a purpose that God has for you. He asked me, how do you know if you live up to that? I said, man, you just work it every single day like it's your last day and you do your best, right? That's how you know. But how many times did we get through a day and the day has just been wasted? We haven't even thought about God, let alone have a conversation or give God glory. You know what I'm saying? And so that's a wasted day. That's a wasted day. And so James says it like this, and you don't have it on the screen here, but it says your life is just a mist. You're here one moment and you're gone the next. All of us have a birth date and we all have a death date. For most of us, life is going to be shorter than what you're expecting it to be. I, I'm thinking I'm going to live to 100 years old and die in my sleep. But I don't know if I have anybody in my whole family that's lived to 100 years old. I come from a radical bunch of people. And so, so in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to have this long life. But yet the truth is, is that probably won't be it won't be as long as what I'm expecting it, it to be. And once again, I just want you to look at Sarah's life. For those of you that know her, that knew her, right? She literally, man, when she was doing something, she was in it all the way. And that's one of the best things that I can, that I can say about her. Is she literally, you know what I mean, lived the lives of sometimes two people, you know what I'm saying? Because... In, in her 39 years, she lived as much life, honestly, as somebody that might hit their 80s. And that's not a stretch. That's not something to make you feel better. That is the absolute truth. If you knew her, she was present and she was in it. And you would say amen to that. Hebrews chapter 9.27 says this, man is destined to die once. I want you to know this. You're going to die unless the Lord comes back. And after that... Those same men and women will face judgment. Now listen, I know this isn't a refrigerator verse. It's not a Jeremiah 29, 11 that you're going to put on your mirror and just be like, oh, no, I just love that. You know, I just love that verse that says it's appointed for man to die. But that's exactly what's going to happen. And then there is judgment. Like you are going to face a, you're going to stand before the king and you're going to give an account as to how you spent this great gift called life. If you had 30 days to live, like if you, if you, if you, and, and I've, I've done a lot of hospice work. 
hospice, a hospice chaplain is somebody that is called in to deal with spiritual matters when somebody has a limited amount of time that, that, that is left. And so if you're called in for a hospice as a hospice chaplain, you know that this person is terminal. What if you went to the doctor and the doctor said, you have 30 days to live? What would you start doing today that you haven't been doing with that information? And if you were told that you've got 30 days to live, what would you stop doing today that you've been doing for a long period of time? Because everything changes at that point. It shouldn't change. The only reason it changes is because in our minds we think that we've got years and years and years and years and years when truthfully we've only got days. And so if you would make changes by starting something that you're not doing or stopping something that you are doing, then I would encourage you make those changes today. Think about this. You. Jeff Sigmund, if you were told by the doctor, man, I'm sorry to give you this, but you've got 30 days left on this planet. What are you going to do differently than what you're doing now? Maybe it's absolutely nothing. But if there are differences, then I would encourage you to absolutely make those changes today because you do not know. I, in speaking with, with, with terminally ill people, which I've done a lot of, their conversations are different. Their talk is different. It, they, they don't talk about, you know, the gossip in the office. They talk about, man, am I going to have enough time to tell my kids what my kids need to know? One of the most beautiful things that, that, that Sarah started to do, and I, I, she wasn't given the option, the opportunity to finish it, but one of the most beautiful things that I just thought, man, how incredible, and it just spoke to to who she was as she started putting, she wanted to put videos together for her children at different times in their life, like graduation and, 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 and weddings and, and, and things like that. She, she posted one video that we're going to get a chance to see on, on, on Tuesday, and it's just so powerful how it is that somebody can be going through such hardship and their whole goal and plan is to minister and to encourage others. Isn't that beautiful? But that's Sarah. That's who Sarah is. And, and so I encourage you this, that, that, that let your speech be like you only have a few days left. Because if, you, if you're terminal and you know that you've only got a short period of time, you're not going to get caught up talking about the things that don't matter as much as we get caught up talking about the things that don't matter. We're going to spend time talking about the things that truly, that truly matter, right? So the next word is tekel, and tekel means weighed. And, and the meaning behind tekel is, is this, that your life your life has been weighed and it's been found wanting. It's not, it's not measuring up. And so number two is this. It don't allow your lives to get out of balance. If you were asked by God today, how well are you spending the time that you've been given? Like some of you, you know, you might be able to say, man, I'm nailing it. Like I'm in great balance and everything. I'm giving adequate time to my family. I'm giving adequate, you know, focus and attention to you, God. You're a part of everything that I do. I'm a hard worker and I just don't waste a lot of time. Um, but I doubt that there would be few people that would just say, you know what? I'm just nailing it, God. You got a good one when you got me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that even sounds funny. But the average American eats out 14,000, almost 14,500 times in their life. 13 years of their life, the average American is watching t television. Five years waiting in line. One year looking for misplaced items. I think I spend at least three years in that area. Somebody was giving me a hard time. Oh, those are probably Pastor Travis's keys. He's always losing his keys. You know him. He can never remember where he puts stuff down at. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 35 weddings. I think I've done about 200. Um, so I've got some of your weddings uh, 
they've, they've driven average in their life 627,000 miles, which is over 25 times around the earth. That's a lot of times. Six years on social media. And do you know that that's doubled in the last, well, since 2014, that, uh, that thank you so much. Since 2014, that has doubled. Used to be the average was three years of your life spent on social media. Now it is six Six years. Come on, your days are numbered, and I want you to know that what you do, it matters. And we are so busy. One guy said it like this. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter 5 and verse 28 uh, it leads us into point number 3. Um, this is the word perez, which is the singular word of the word parson. So many, many tekel parson. In verse 28, it says Perez, it's the same word, it's just singular. It says this, that your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And so number three is this, if you don't get your life in balance, you're going to be divided. And when your life is divided, it'll destroy your marriage, it'll destroy your business, it'll destroy your relationships, it'll destroy your health, it'll rob you of your peace. And on and on and on and on and on. So in this case... He's talking to Belshazzar. In his case, he, this, is, this actually played out. He said, your kingdom is going to be lost. And, uh, and it was shortly after this conversation took place that Iran overtook Iraq or modern-day Babylon. So the Medes and the Persians came in. All right? The problem is this. We're talking about warning signs here. What happens when God gives you a warning sign? The problem is when we don't listen to the warning sign. Like God is such a gracious God. Before he just removes his hand, most of the time he'll give you some sort of a warning. Not all the time. I'm not trying to tell you how God works. But much of the time, come on, he is so patient. He is so kind and merciful. And, um, but when we ignore the, the, the warning signs, when we don't adjust to the warning signs, then we know that consequences are coming. How many of you know that pain is a warning sign? Right? Pain can be a wonderful thing. Pain is a, great, is a great teacher. You know, you touch a stove, it's a warning. Hey, get your hand off of that. And, um, and, and you don't do it. You don't do it again. Um, pain is a gift from God. I want you to know this, that if you're a parent and you spank your children, which I encourage you to do that every once in a while when needed, this is the conversation that you have with your, with your children, right? Before you put them over your knee, you say, I want you to know, son, that this is a gift from God. And, um, and you're, <laughs> God loves you. And then you just get after it. You know what I'm saying? You just get after it. And uh, <laughs> when you're exhausted, when you're tired, when you're worn out, how many of you know all of these are signs? In fact, uh, there was a, there was a, it breaks my, absolutely breaks my heart, but there's a pastor friend that I know that, um, that just, just had a, a failure. And I've been praying, you know, for him every single time. But I'm just telling you, a lot of the times when CEOs and business owners, farmers, um, pastors, all of these folks, when they, when they, when they fall, when they fail, much of the time, exhaustion and burning the candle at both ends and, and not having proper rest and spending, spending time with the Lord and those kinds of things. It seems like those are always, those are always you know, a part of, the, uh, part of the situation. And so um, the devil, he just waits until you're spent and then all of a sudden, you know, you're at a weak moment and, 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 and bam. Another warning sign is your emotions are erratic or unpredictable. Have you ever just found yourself just flying off of the handle at somebody? This was about three weeks ago, man. I'm just driving. Just I'm, I'm probably just thinking about something else in my own little world. Just really kind of paying attention to what's you know in front of me. And I'm just like looking around. And all of a sudden, I look over to the right. And I'm just telling you, man, there was a guy that was just like railing me up one side. And so I just, I was like, man, I must have done something that. And so I just like, I just waved. I was just like. I was like, wait, because I had no clue what, why this person would be so angry at me. But I, I don't know, maybe I cut him off or something. I don't know. But he was upset, boy. He was not happy. 
And uh, have you ever, have you ever, have you, I couldn't hear him. This is the other funny thing. Here he's railing me. I can't hear a word that he's saying. But he is just screaming in his car. He could hear it. I could see on his face he wasn't real happy. But, but when you lose control, you know what I'm saying, like that, where you're just yelling and nobody knows. I was wondering how long he had been there yelling at me before I just looked over. You know, I, he's probably there for a while. I don't know. But, but, but when your emotions are erratic, and, and I can't imagine I did something that bad, but maybe I did. Another thing people oftentimes will say is, I just can't hear God. And I want you to know that God is always speaking. A lot of the times we don't hear God because there's too much noise around us. Have you ever been at, like, like in, a, in a busy place, maybe at a football game or something, and an important phone call, an important phone call comes, you know, across and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to take this. You don't sit where you're sitting and have a conversation. What do you do? You say, hey, if you can hear me, hold on a second. You get up and you walk away from all of the noise and all of the cheering. You get up to a more quiet place. Good luck finding a total quiet place in a setting like that. But you find a more quiet place and then you tune in to what it is that the Lord is speaking. And sometimes you just need to reposition yourself. You need to reunite to realign you need to reposition and get into a quiet surrounding and um, and I'm just saying that doing 15 things in one day is too much and and we we almost wear it like a badge of honor that man I just got so much done today how about we slow down and just give attention to the things that matter the most yeah um, if you got 15 things try to shave some things off like Facebook and, and, and some of the things that are not as important. I encourage you also, you know what I mean, to take advantage of the Sabbath, the day, the day of rest. You know, today is our Sabbath. It's not just about church. Church is, church is, is a part of our day, but, but relax a little bit today. Get around your family. Maybe tonight, you know, have dinner at the dinner table and, 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 and talk and and, um, and just spend some time as a family. All right. Daniel chapter 5, 29 says this. Then Belshazzar, uh, boy, I got to hurry up here. Then Belshazzar commanded, Daniel was clothed in purple, and a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But I want you to know this, that even though he was able to give Belshazzar that warning, he didn't listen to it and change anything. And so verse 30 says this, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So listen, what can we learn? We're bringing this thing to a close. Somebody say amen. amen. Right? What can we learn? Number one, live with purpose and urgency. I want you to know that your life matters because God has created you with a purpose. Some of you, I believe you come in here and you don't think that your life matters. I'm telling you that your life matters and it is so valuable. And the greatest gift that you can give to yourself is to live out loud for God. You know what I'm saying? This is the truth. This last week, five people came up to me with ideas on things that we need to do as the church. And in that conversation, it was also unveiled that they weren't the ones that were going to do what it is that they brought to the table. Five times this last week, five times. Hey, this is what I really think we need to do. And all five times, that I'm not the one to do it. And so there is something special about bringing a great idea to the table for somebody else to do. But I am a firm believer that God moves on the heart of people and he shows the people certain things because God is saying, listen, I want you to do this. And, and, and sometimes we hear people joking all the time, boy, don't tell Pastor Travis because you'll be the one leading it. And while that is the truth, it is the truth because for some reason, why do, do you think God just, are you the prophet of the church? You're just the prophet just to say, hey, listen, God has said, now he doesn't want me to do it. He doesn't want me to do it. I think he wants you to do it, Pastor. I think he's, and, and so I'm just saying that, that it's very possible that God is calling you to do things that you're not 100% comfortable with. You may not feel qualified, you know what I mean, to do, but I'm telling you this, I don't feel qualified to do what I do either. And so 
So step out, use your days. You know what I mean? Teach, share, serve. There's two, two great days in your life, the day you were born and the day that you realize the reason why you were born. Urgency is this. Come on, make a difference in somebody's life every single day. Every single day, make a difference in somebody's life. Number two is this. Put first things first. Somebody say first things first. My favorite scripture, Matthew 6, 33. You can read it later, but start with the most important things and then, and then, and then put them first. I, I, I looked up... Um, how to clean a garage. And I'm, this is Google. I'm going to give this to you. See, you didn't know that I was going to give you something more than just spiritual matters here today. As the weather starts to change and, and turn, you can Google this. How do you clean a garage? The same thing's going to come up. How to deep clean your garage. Number one, see, these are first things first. Number one, remove everything and prepare your supplies. Number two, sort, eliminate donate or sell and you probably need to donate or sell a lot of the garbage that, that anyway I'm not going to be that Holy Spirit you just uh, number three is this number three find storage solutions that work well for you number four seal cracks in the concrete and repair hazards number five dust wash clean and paint so everything's out all right number six this is the most important one reassemble or put the items back and this is what i want you to know is when you put the items back if you've got those racks in your garage that you store things up above start there so you're not having to dance around the things that are already on the floor i've done that before okay number two put the big items back in once you've got all the overhead items in Bring the big items back in. Don't be bringing, you know what I mean, your hammer or your screwdriver, and then you're like, my goodness, where am I going to put this at? Listen, bring the tool chest in first so that you've got a place to put the hammer and the screwdriver at a later time. See, order is important. Number three is this. When warning signs appear, respond quickly. The Bible says this, and you don't have it on your notes here, but the Bible says this, that God's spirit will not always strive with man. And I want you to know that when we ignore God, you can count on one thing, that there's gonna be consequences that follow. And I wanna encourage you, never allow tragedy to be your teacher. Like we can be led of the Lord, and of course that doesn't mean that we're gonna be protected of all things, but sometimes we go through some things simply just because we've been disobedient. And I just want you to know this, that when God brings a warning sign to you, respond quickly and start today. Second Corinthians chapter six and verse two says this, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. Do you know this, that there is going to be a time, there is going to be a time where there are going to be those that will not and cannot be saved. But now is the time of salvation, and now is the time of God's favor. So go ahead, and if you would, please just bow your heads with me just real quick. We're going to pray. I want to give you an opportunity here today. You know, God's been speaking to you and probably been reaching out to all of us for a long time and, and he's been encouraging us. Maybe you haven't even noticed that it's the Lord at work and he's been kind of, you know, causing you to think about him and think about things that you've never, you've never thought about and now you find yourself in, in church and, and, um, and you feel like God's wanting you to respond to this message and you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. The perfect response is this, and it's in the form of one word, and that word is surrender. It's all God wants us to do is just surrender to him. Say, God, I surrender. I'm not going to fight you no more. I spent so many years, I got some big re regrets because I spent so many years of my own life fighting the Lord because I wanted to serve myself. I just encourage you this morning, the best thing that you can do is just surrender to the Lord. And, and that looks like this. It's, it's like, listen, I want to ask you, God, to forgive me of my sins. And I want to live for you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. It's that simple. And so if you're here today, whether you've done it 
before or you've never done it again and you want to make that commitment and that dedication, I'm just going to ask you just real quick just to raise your hand in the air. Let me know that, that, that you're in that place where you're just like, thank you, Jim, I appreciate that. You're just like, I want to just give my life to the Lord. Anybody else? I want to put first things first. I want to, I want to live for God. Anybody? Awesome. Thank you. I see you over on the right. Awesome. So listen, this is how we do this. We all kind of stand to our feet. And, and even if you didn't raise your hand this morning and you're just like, you know what? I just, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to live for God a little bit better. And I'm going to trust him a little bit more and I'm going to pursue him a little greater. You can pray this prayer as well, but go ahead and just make this your own. Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for, for loving us the way that you do. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on us. I love this scripture. It says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's favor. God, thank you for your mercy. Because I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't been living exactly like I should. And and I haven't been pursuant of you like I should. And I've been maybe, maybe I've been living my life like I've just got so many years. And I've been thinking, man, there's a day in my future where, you know, where I'll serve God. But I just got things I want to do for myself right now. God, I'm asking you to forgive me of that, that crazy thinking. The truth is, is, Lord, I can pursue you and live for you and have my dreams fulfilled as well. In fact, it's going to be you that helps me to step into my purpose and my destiny. So Lord, forgive us of our sins. Please come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. My life is not mine, but it belongs to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me live my days with purpose. Let me glorify your name and let me also serve my fellow man well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you love the Lord, just go give, give him a hand clap here, here this morning. I want you to know this, that um, in the event that you have given your, 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 you've made a decision today, I've got a book that I would love to give to you. It's called A Fresh Start. You can see me right after uh, service. We'll get you a copy of that, or you can come up to me anytime uh, that you see me. But God bless you, and thank you so much for being here. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.